everyone and welcome to The Hill Is Always Greener, a Sonic podcast on the internet. We're all a bunch of nerds and that's the thing and we're old and etc. The song's going to change every time. <laughs> yes, that's about it. Uh, I'm Falero. Uh, hello. Well, I'm back again. About time too. This time I'm in the mood uh, oh. to talk about Sonic. Aren't we all? Yes. I hope so. Although this is going to be a very short podcast. <laughs> uh, I'm Rock the Jake, and I'm here as well. <laughs> Whoa. You too? Yeah. I'm Game Buddy, and I'm back. We did it. This is the second episode. I'm Cyberlink, and I never left. I've just been sitting here, watching, waiting. It's so dark. So what were we talking about this time? Um, I'm sure we had an actual topic in mind. We basically spent all of last episode talking about, you know, the transition of Sonic into 3D and Sonic Adventure, so it only makes sense to kind of pick up with the part two of that discussion with Sonic Adventure 2, which kind of an important game for a lot of reasons. Yeah, lots of reasons. And I, I, I thought it was a good idea to, since we also spent a lot of our first episode introducing ourselves and the concept and our history with Sonic and how we felt about uh, Sonic Adventure 1. And, you know, we kind of glossed over, like, how the game played and stuff like that. And I thought that would be a, a great way to start uh, talking about Sonic Adventure 2 is how, like, it was similar and also very different from the first Sonic Adventure. I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like a streamlined version of Sonic Adventure 1 in a way. Uh, they took like a bunch of the play styles and sort of like divvied them out a little bit. So you've got like the um, you've got the Sonic Speed style is uh, split between two characters. The Knuckles hunting style is split between two characters, and same for the kind of like the Gamma Shooty style from SA1 has been uh, attributed to two other characters. Yeah, they're all kind of sort of have analogs in Sonic Adventure, but they are uh, they are different different in quite a few ways. Yeah, and also, you know, losing the adventure fields during that streamlining process, so it's just a straight level-to-level affair instead of wandering around looking for rocks to use as keys or whatever. Keeping the, the action stage motif. It's like a movie that you play. A Sonic the Hedgehog movie would never work. Ha uh-huh. <laughs> Wait a minute. Which I think is also uh, one uh, one reason I wanted to talk about SA2, and then maybe in the back half, is the the story of SA2, the presentation, um, the the pace, uh, the scale, everything is kind of the start of. Um, I think I said furry soap opera last time, yes. <laughs> which definitely <laughs> yeah. has elements. Lots of Sonic media has, but it's the very self-serious but earnest presentation that I think stuck with a lot of people. But before we get into our main topic, uh, I guess, yeah, we introduced ourselves. We don't have to explain the podcast because we did that already. Was there any new Sonic-y stuff that uh, any of you fellas have done since the, the our last episode? So this is gonna this is gonna take some backstory. Uh-oh. Uh so Jeremy and my buddy Derek Dirtek on Twitter about oh, yeah. about a decade ago, he and I basically made kind of an unofficial bet. He said there he basically said that if they ever made a Shenmue HD or a Shenmue three, he would do a full playthrough of Generations on stream. He is famously somebody who does not especially care for Sonical Hedgeman, as he has referred to him in the past. <laughs> the, yeah, both of those ended up happening. And after 
a couple of false starts. We I had originally bought him a copy on Steam, but apparently that game does not like to play well with a lot of streaming software for some reason. There was kind of a nice confluence of events where uh, Generations was among those games that got that really nice 60 frames boost on uh, Xbox Series X. And then it also just went on sale maybe a month ago for about five bucks. So after almost a decade, we finally got that stream happening. And for somebody who does not care for those games, he ended up actually having a much better time than he anticipated. Ended up streaming much longer than he usually goes for his streams. He said that like he was actually having a really good time right up until the last two bosses when it became, and I quote, anti-fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately. That's so cool. Yep. I- I'm sure we'll talk in depth about generations in a future episode, but yeah, the Egg Dragoon and Time Eater fights are not great. But the game up until that point, real fun game. Hell yeah. Real good. That stretch of games had some problems sticking the landing with that final boss, but that is really fun because I, I, I do know the rest of that game that uh, holds up pretty well. I played it replayed it just a couple of years ago and it's a lot of fun it's another one that has a has a great mod scene on the pc too oh yeah like mod scene is really incredible but i i should have expected that like a half hour of that stream was just playing the casino night pinball mini game because he's a huge (laughs) he's a huge pinball fiend so i'm listening to him talk about talk all these like pinball terminology and backhanding and you know upper play fields and everything as like oh right this is what happens when somebody who actually knows what they're doing tries to play that mini game. Yeah. <laughs> I know uh, I got volume nine of the graphic novel of the uh, the IDW Sonic comics, Ooh. which I didn't realize. I know it wraps up like the tail end of the, the metal virus, but also is the Chow uh, race arc and it introduces a oh. uh, bell, which you know, yeah. I I don't follow the the regular issues, the the floppies or uh, the floppy books or online. I just wait for the graphic novels because that's easier. And so I'm super excited to get into that. Like you know, that's a <laughs> a character I've been following for like uh, since last last year, early last year, and now I'm excited to finally get into that arc. Yeah, Bell's been an interesting addition. I'm eager to hear what you think of that as you're going through. Isn't it nice, like, having all these new Sonic characters and being like, oh, I love that one. Oh, I love that one. That one's good. That adds something to the story. It is very much because I like the creative team, uh, especially Evan and their character designs in general. Like, before this, um, I I love how they've had just background characters and some that have gotten, like, uh, promoted to, uh, what would you call it, a featured extra. Like, I can't remember, is her name Lanolin, the the sheep that shows up on the... Yeah, that's her. Yeah, she she got like a name and like an official like appearance and outfit because they were like, oh, Sega said, you know, give her an outfit so she can show up more. And I was like, oh, that's neat. So, yeah, it is very cool to see very unique, just the design, but also like the concept of the character. But speaking of new characters, we started getting new characters in Sonic Adventure 2 here. Whoa. Good segue. I love it. Sonic Adventure 1. I remember some of the most fun I had was picking and poking at those adventure fields, trying to find little secrets and uh, just running around and uh, having fun, especially as Sonic. Cause I felt like the way they designed those and especially Sonic's levels, which is an interesting contrast to uh, some of what you see in a lot of 
more recent Sonic games is instead of having a lot of the like the bottomless pits and traps that are in a lot of uh, the the boost based games is there aren't a lot of those in uh, Sonic Adventure. Windy Valley has like places where you can fall off, but it has lots of big explorable areas and like alternate paths, uh, even up until like that last stretch with all of the long uh, twists and turns, like those have guardrails on them. Like they don't want you to, they don't want you to uh, get careless and fall off. They want you to run really fast because they added the grinding um, is that's where you started to see a lot of the like, okay, here's where one false move and you fall off into a pit, which is, you know, it can, it can be, uh, challenging if, as long as, uh, you don't run into something unexpected. Yeah. And admittedly, they kind of ramp you up to that a little bit. Like, you know, you think of the first level, it's city escape where there's nearly no bottomless pits. Like it's mostly kind of, you know, one path walled in on all sides uh, with only occasional bottomless pits here and there with the like rising and falling columns to jump across. But by and large, it's fairly forgiving in that respect, even compared to a lot of other first levels of Sonic games. Yeah, I would say Sonic Adventure 2, as far as at least as far as like Sonic's and Shadow's levels, they're there. Those levels are definitely built more linearly, uh, whereas like the Sonic Adventure levels, like Jeremy said, there's like alternate routes that you can find in there. It feels like Sonic Adventure and Sonic Adventure 2 like both take uh, like level design aspects from the the Genesis days, but in different ways. Because like, you know, in the Genesis days, you could like you had alternate paths that you could go. So like Sonic Adventure takes care of that. But uh, Sonic Adventure 2 foregoes the, the hub worlds. And just goes level by level, which is, you know, obviously what the Genesis th- Genesis days did. So it's like, it's interesting to see like the, the take and give in the development of those two games in that regard. Yeah. I think what it partly is, is uh, in Sonic Adventure 1, lots of characters were using a lot of the same levels. And granted, they would like give them different areas, but you were seeing lo- lots, lots of the stages were bigger because of like having all these different uh, stages for different kinds of characters and play styles. Right. But in uh, Sonic Adventure 2, it's a lot more like, this this one stage is for one character, and then the, and so they sort of like t- I guess they tighten them up and then shrink them down a little bit. And you know you g- you get these unique levels for each character, but they're also like all share common kind of theming so that they can still you know not have to waste those assets more or less. Yeah, like the the first one that pops to mind is um, Radical Highway and Mission Street for Shadow and Tails. Mm-hmm. Two very they're completely different levels, but take place in the uh in the same city around the same time of day and so there's a lot of parallels there yeah or pumpkin hill and sky rail oh yeah that is very interesting uh in sonic adventure one you almost have the calling back to like the sonic three and knuckles of oh here is an area that only knuckles can smash through and you see that through um uh, some levels like uh, Ice Cap or Red Mountain, where it's you can see like, oh, there's Sonic's part of the level over there, but Knuckles is over here, and uh, I, I I like that in uh, Sonic Adventure One. It makes it makes it so not too much of the repeating uh, levels for some of the characters are uh, they don't get too too boring. There are some Tails sections I remember because Tails' whole thing is basically he plays like Sonic, but only through like one third of the uh the level and you're right. racing sonic or 
yeah. Eggman at the time through through that level. I like that they do still have those alternate paths, but I don't think any of the adventure games really reach the same kind of, you know, three-tier system as the, you know, classic games. And I think that it's probably for the best just because, you know, they were still learning to adapt Sonic to 3D and trying to properly replicate that system in, you know, that newer dimension while they were still figuring out, okay, how do we even make this work at all? Probably would not have been the best in the long run but yeah i do think it's interesting like putting aside uh sonic adventure dx which added a, a mission mode to adventure one the uh the side missions in adventure two kind of have some of that where they alter the uh the the vanilla layout of the levels to give you like uh what is it finding finding the lost chow or uh when you get to the last one it's just straight up a hard mode that changes a lot of the layout yeah that uh yeah some some are some are definitely more interesting than others but it is it, I do like those those alternate paths yeah the other thing they do of course is in Adventure One uh Knuckles is looking for the Master Emerald and you basically have uh, similar controls to Sonic and Tails except Knuckles has his his gliding and digging and you're following that em- Emerald radar along and when they move that to Adventure 2 with Knuckles and Rouge I I don't think they change too much I know the radar works just a little differently um I don't think it's precise because they want you to rely on the uh the hint boxes well the the biggest change they did with the radar was the fact that you can only sense one emerald at a time yeah yeah, yeah. which is I, I I can't say if I like that one or not I think that is one of the mods I have on the the PC version of Sonic Adventure 2 is to revert that to how it worked in Adventure 1. Yeah, I definitely did the same. I guess it's maybe to prevent people from getting a little, like, overstimulated. Oh, oh there's one here. No, wait, there's one in this direction. Ah, ah. But, I don't know. Like, maybe they just wanted to help people focus, but I think it's a little better just to, you know, pick up the nearest one. Well, I, w- I wonder if it wasn't because they put such an emphasis on the hint system, is they want you mm. to do it, you know, one at a time. But then if you've played it as much as we have you might just know where all the spots are anyway so if you get close to one uh then you're like okay well uh, that one's right here let me go (laughs) (laughs) i I will say i actually i played sonic adventure 2 first before i played sonic adventure and as far as like gameplay stuff that i like saw in comparison like the biggest uh change that i saw was in like knuckles um emerald searching and, and like the biggest thing was just like, I guess for me as a kid, like the biggest thing was just the design element of how the radar looked. Because if I remember right, the uh, the Sonic Adventure 1 radar was a little bit more animated. And then especially the fact that you could like sense two or if you somehow got lucky, even three at the same time. <laughs> yeah. And and, and I, was, I thought that was so interesting and like comparing it against Sonic Adventure 2 where you only sense one, but you could still like potentially find another one that you didn't sense. Which was which was cool because then you would get a perfect score in it and get a bunch of points. I remember the uh, the le- the treasure hunting levels in Sonic Adventure Two seem a lot more vertical than they are in the first one. Yeah. Um, oh, especially meteor stuff. Uh, yeah. Really outer space stuff. I, I, that is, and that's that's very interesting. But yeah, there's lots of lots of different levels of elevation in those levels. Yeah, I'm thinking of of meteor herd, uh, aquatic mine, especially. Like that one literally has numbered tiered levels. <laughs> yeah, it does. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another, you know, effect of going from 
reusing levels to having more individual ones because all of Knuckles' old levels were set in kind of smaller sections of, you know, other Sonic levels or whatever. But with the, with Adventure 2, you have much larger environments with much more kind of sprawling open areas for you to search for emeralds. And that, I think, both made it a lot more interesting because you had to do a lot more exploration, but also a lot more frustrating because there were so many possible places for those shards to show up that it also often just became really tiring to try and track those down. I, I remember as a kid getting very tired because I think I spent like more than 20 minutes on Meteor Herd and whatever. I forget what is Rouge's equivalent. Mad Space. Yes. Uh, I mean, just not even knowing the timer could go for that long. <laughs> yeah. well, I, I mean, Mad Space does the kind of cheap thing of we're going to mess with you by making all of these hints like backwards or weirdly inverted <laughs> no. or whatever because yeah having to deal with all the artificial gravity isn't frustrating enough oh my gosh yeah i, I wonder i wonder how many poor kids didn't understand that concept <laughs> it is not <laughs> not tele I, I can't remember does omo chow give you a hint that like oh yeah. the hints the hints aren't what they seem yeah the hint <laughs> Hints are reverse. Be very careful or whatever. It's I, I, I can't say I'm a fan. By the way, I just wanted to throw this in here. Um, the biggest change between the SA1 and SA2 Treasure Hunter levels is now Knuckles has got wraps. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he had, I guess he had the one, the one wrap in Sonic oh, Adventure true. 1. That's true. <laughs> yeah, but they really leaned into it. Now, they, now it's while you play. So that's great. <laughs> Yeah, that's another thing. The adventure games uh, brought in their new uh, kind of this leitmotif, modern Sonic like uh, <laughs> rocking music. Uh, June uh, Sinue uh, did a produced, wrote, and performed a lot of the songs on those first two games. Um, but yeah, Sonic Adventure had like the character themes, but then Sonic and then the the stage music was kind of uh, more themed after the level. Um, but then in Sonic Adventure 2, it feels like you still had songs for each level, but it kind of followed the character more. And uh, yeah, Knuckles, Knuckles had that uh, smooth hip hop uh, rapping. And yeah. um, I mean... <sighs> <laughs> I'm a corny white boy. I still like those songs a lot. I do too, man. Honestly, <laughs> I I did a drum cover of uh, the Pumpkin Hill theme, which is a a Ghost Pumpkin Soup. Yes, <laughs> and that's uh, that's still like one of my more popular drum covers on YouTube. <laughs> I, I that is definitely sticks out as a favorite. Uh, I think for a reason because those are just very, again, the, uh, to go back to they are so earnestly songs about sonic the hedgehog <laughs> yes, but not are. not presented with a hint of irony and I, oh, yeah. I really that is that is why they're so earnest songs about sonic the hedgehog and knuckles the echidona yeah. What he's <laughs> <represented>. <laughs> now i'm just imagining Ernest singing sonic the hedgehog songs <laughs> <laughs> also in a in a, a wild can is it wild canyon wild canyon yeah yeah, yeah. yeah wild canyon fun 
Uh, of course, you know, I always think about the lyric, like where like he all, all of a sudden starts like, yeah, Rue, she's sexy as yo. I'm like, what? She's sexy, yeah. she's sexy <laughs> and smooth. Give up the emeralds or die. I don't love you. <laughs> oh, that's a really. Oh, I love that. Oh, my God. You're damn right, Knuckles. <laughs> yes. That, yeah, that, that whole breakdown in the soundtrack version of Death Chamber is like. He's just talking. He's <laughs> holding a conversation between two yep. characters. It's so absurd. <laughs> yeah, got to track down that original version because they took it out of battle, I believe. Oh, that's <laughs> yeah, cool. yeah. There were a few misheard lyrics I had as a kid. Speaking of Wild Canyon and other, uh, I think he says it at the beginning. Um, I don't know what the official lyric is, but I thought, I thought he was saying, "Never seen a white hog spit like spit. a menace," <laughs> which I thought was funny because it. I thought he was referring to Sonic being a Caucasian boy. <laughs> and was speaking as from Knuckles himself, calling him, uh, you know, calling Knuckles black, which I, you know, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people because of that said like, oh yeah, you know, I, I've seen lots of like uh, human versions where Knuckles is black. Jinkas, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've always canonized it that way, but the actual lyric is never seen a mic hog spit like a menace. Okay. Like, okay. Microphone. That makes, <laughs> that makes also makes sense. He's Yeah. He might still be referring to Sonic being a show-off and an attention hog. Okay. Or he could be calling him a honky. Um. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah, I, th- I think that's also, you know, I-, I think that's also why a lot of, especially us older fans, were like, yeah, Idris Elba is uh, Knuckles in the Sonic 2? Of course. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But just remember, he wasn't trying to make Knuckles sexy. Well. But he didn't need to try. He lied to us. <laughs> Failed step one, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need your power. Oh. <sighs> But yeah, that is uh, that is I think the Adventure Two kind of cements the modern Sonic take on music, at least for that era where uh, Jun Senue was still doing like the the main music composition. Yeah, you know, Knuckles had his raps. Rouge had her like kind of smooth jazz. Uh, Shadow was a little more like industrial rock. I think I think it was Drew Scanlon who joked that like the Metal Gear Rising soundtrack sounded like something out of Sonic Adventure Two. <laughs> yes <laughs> i kind of miss that though honestly that style of shadow music because i feel like mm-hmm. they kind of yeah. went more towards metal in like his own game yeah i the shadow the hedgehog soundtrack is really solid but i do miss like the uh you know it's less uh it's less emo like people would joke and it's more like nine inch nails yeah a little more grungy era. yeah and man i i could go on about how much i love the vocals in shadow's theme because All Hell Shadow is really great. All Hell Shadow is wonderful. I'm glad they picked mm-hmm. it up as a lay motif for Shadow. But man, the original song in Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Again, I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to the earnest presentation with no irony. It is a tortured, uh, dark song about a black and red hedgehog who has problems. <laughs> <laughs> oh it's very good it's very good throw it all the way what a name for a song yeah yeah while we're talking about music can we talk a little bit about the music from sonic adventure since we're still doing like kind of some comparisons yeah we never really talked about that much the first episode yeah Yeah, we're kind of playing playing catch up with the like logistics instead of just our experiences yeah so can i just throw it out there and say i've always been a big fan of big the cat and i especially love his music (laughs) I really 
I, I think just the past few years have come around to really loving um, Lazy Days, uh, Living in Paradise. Oh, I love <laughs> I You didn't love it from the beginning? Well, it was one of those <laughs> things to where, hey, I'm going to, you know, uh, just my upbringing. I was uh, a sheltered Christian kid who only oh. listened to um basically christian radio and anything that was in any media i consumed and so when sonic adventure came along that was my first exposure to some of those genres and so big steam being this weird like god how would you even say it's almost like a like a rockabilly meets elton john rocks yeah yeah some jimmy buffett in there yeah i was gonna say it's like it's like if jimmy buffett had some more distortion (laughs) <laughs> a Jeremy just called, oh man, this has to be satanic in some way or other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't think I ever ran into that. Like that might be a that might be a story for another time is yeah, anytime uh Sonic ran up against those old sensibilities. But no, I, I don't <laughs> think so. Um but yeah, uh I, I really like uh Big's theme with the man, that piano and God, have you ever listened to those lyrics? Like, oh, they're great. Yeah, they kind of yeah. they kind of break down into this existential. I know like, they're like weirdly deep. I thought it was just like big talking to Froggy, but I think there's more to it than that. <laughs> I, I I think that might be the the intended uh, the intended presentation. But yeah, there's a point where they're just like, God, what does life mean? Um, yeah, you know why why are we here? <laughs> Can you tell me who came first? Sorry, but I don't know. Hey, do you ever think why we're here? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then it ends, you know, they ends it with like, oh, it doesn't matter, you know, because we're living for today, having fun. And, and he being, gives him the, he gives him the, Kama- the uh, Konami code of left, right, up and down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it ends with the, the, the message. The message at the end is it doesn't matter, which transitions straight into Sonic song. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Which is a um, just to, and, we, and we can move on after this, but I, I just want to talk about that. How. I think last time we talked about how uh, Junichi Kanemaru like comes out of the gate with this definition of Sonic's personality. Sonic's theme song in both games absolutely nails like everything that I like about Sonic as a character. Yes, it talks. He talks about how that he is, uh, you know, basically following his own conscience. He's not listening to basically, you know any other forms of authority if it doesn't sound right if it doesn't feel right uh you know it it doesn't matter (laughs) but uh that he also has confidence in himself that at the end of the day uh that's going to be the right thing to do and man that's just like that's cool as hell (laughs) both of those both versions are very good it is incredible how they have the exact same lyrics despite being two complete different compositions of the same yeah i know yeah (laughs) Like it's both for that and for uh, "Believe in Myself" Tails theme, just completely different lyrics or uh, completely different melodies, completely different compositions, but it still fits for both of them. I think is is there like a tiny bridge that's in SA one? It doesn't matter that didn't make it over there. Uh, uh, I, they kind of tweaked it a little bit, if I remember correctly. Yeah. Uh huh. Like because yeah, I think the SA two version. I know that uh, with uh, Knuckles. They basically, you know, it's a lot of the same composition and melodies, but uh, they changed like half the lyrics. So like the chorus is still the same, but everything around it is completely different. 
Yeah, I think it's the same, uh, the same, uh, it sounds like a choir or a quartet for the chorus in, uh, Unknown From Me in Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah. But yeah, it is, it's a different main artist because it's the, it's the same guy that does all the other, the Knuckles songs. It is weird when they brought out that new version of Unknown of M- from Emmy and, uh, it became, you can call me Knuckles. Unlike Sonic, I'm Knuckles. I'd rather flex my <laughs> Knuckles. <laughs> yeah, that was one of the lyrics that they changed like <laughs> it's weird that a lot of the memeing is for this very specific version of the song and not for this ver- other version of the same song that is somehow completely different yeah yeah <laughs> and it's really weird how they officially just added a, like the lyrics to snow halation but you know i oh, yeah. respect their artistic choices <laughs> <laughs> they're the inspiration for it uh i also i, I from like just a I'm going to say from like a chill musical composition standpoint, I really enjoy uh, Gamma's theme. It's like that, like, like techno jazz, like, oh man. Like, and also like, I want to say in my opinion, especially since I've beaten SA2 or SA1 recently, like, I think out of like all the characters stories, Gamma definitely has like the best one in that game. Oh, for sure. There is a uh, fantastic retrospective on that by um, uh, Nazumi VA on uh, YouTube that is just all about how, um, you know, I, I guess you you couldn't say it's super original if you're familiar with like lots of, um, especially anime, like uh, science fiction robot media. There's uh, Whoa, Sonic being derivative of other media products. <laughs> <laughs> a completely original concept. <laughs> My OC she might uh, get into this in the video but yeah there's lots of uh notes of like uh android kakaida in a uh, gamma story um but yeah it is so um and that it's not just like oh this robot gets feelings it's like no he not only develops feelings he develops a conscience and he develops a sense of family like he he regards dr eggman as his creator and makes the choice that he has wronged his uh, you know his robot brethren and that's yeah. why you go save them by destroying them um and he has like a little bit of like survivor's guilt yeah you and you see um you know you see at the end of that that it was all in a service of like reuniting um gamma and beta uh the flickies inside them with uh birdie uh the one that hangs out with amy um but before that it it really is like he is freeing the other E-Series robots um, by destroying them because Eggman has banished them to, uh, you know, some pretty horrible places. Like there's, uh, what is it, the one, is it uh, Hot Shelter, uh, where you go down and the poor poor guy has become like the core of this machine with all the little dreamcasts around him. Like he can't even move around anymore. Gamma, Gamma is something else. That is, that is one thing that unfortunately doesn't carry over to Adventure Two. Uh, <laughs> although they do, they do get into it with Shadow as far as being like, you know, dark and emotional. Yeah, trying to have that emotional. Well, when, it, when it comes to that, like um, Gamma had a weirdly understated and uh, poignant story, which is not, not to be expected from Sonic a lot of the time. And yeah. uh, they also knew to like when the story ended and the character was gone, that was it. And uh, they decided to leave it right there and let it hold that much more weight because of it. Now, uh, let's move on to Shadow the Hedgehog. Um, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yep, that is, that is a good segue into uh, talking about more of the story. 
Um, cause yeah, I think, I think ultimately the, uh, the, the changes in the presentation and the gameplay of adventure Two work really well for what that game is. Um, there are a lot of different changes, you know, you lose out on, um, you know, some of the playable characters and as much as we love big theme song, um, you know, I don't <laughs> know if a Sega bass fishing derivative mini game was appropriate for Sonic Adventure. Yeah. <laughs> much if they tried to tell this story while trying to fit in like all these characters points of big fishing journey throughout space. <laughs> <laughs> and the, they do ultimately come together in that that last story with Super Sonic and you realize how everything pieces together with the flashbacks with Tikal, but yeah, Sonic Adventure retells the same uh, story beats at least four or five times. Like, if I right. never had to play uh, Sky Chase at 2 again, it would be too soon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I just I just got it in my head now. I'm just imagining Shadow, like, doing a big, long soliloquy. Why am I here? Was I made for the purpose of destroying man? Is that why I, who I am, really? Well, I don't know. I'm just here to buy my friend Froggy. I mean, you can oh. do that. Remember, Big has all yeah. those cameos that you can activate in the cutscenes. Yes. <laughs> it's true. He is that, technically. Just imagining Shadow settling down and learning uh, learning about island living with Big. Oh my gosh, yes. Trying to blow up the with world. With a straw hat on. Oh, that's actually a good happy hat. That's the true ending. <laughs> Not just a straw hat, the, the hat that says... Uh, Women want me fish feeling. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a T-shirt that says "Living on Island Time." <laughs> See that that would have that would have solved everything if he had just had if he's up there on that not um, San Francisco bridge, and if Big just was right there, he could have talked him talked him down from <laughs> his whole revenge plot. Like people make fun of Big, but that is a guy who has his shit figured out. So, okay, so as far as, like, the story of Sonic Adventure 2, I, I want to ask y'all, uh, when you, if you remember, when you first booted up uh, SA2 uh, on whatever system you had, Dreamcast, or if you played, I'm sure, I'm pretty sure we all played it on the Dreamcast, right? I didn't play it until GameCube. No. I was also played it on GameCube. Yeah, yeah. I thought I thought that was worth noting. Is that uh, I'm sure a lot of people first played it on the GameCube. Uh, and you said earlier, Jake, you played this before Adventure One because Sonic Adventure Two Battle on the GameCube came out before Sonic Adventure DX, which was also on the GameCube. Yeah. So yeah, I bet I bet a lot of uh, people just a uh, a little younger than us or who just didn't, you know, play Sonic games until that generation of consoles probably did play Sonic Adventure 2 first. Yeah, I think this was the first game for a lot of people because it was the first home console Sonic game to show up on a Nintendo system, which was yeah unheard of at the time. <laughs> like it, it wasn't it technically wasn't the first game because Advance came out a month earlier, but Oh yeah. Yeah, hand handhelds were always felt a little different because Sega definitely wasn't making handhelds anymore but yeah this that was the first big one after uh after the poor poor little dreamcast yeah took her last breath <laughs> <laughs> but uh i wanted to ask when so for y'all like when you first booted up sonic adventure 2 like the very first time which uh which uh story did you do did you do the hero version or did you do the dark version first oh hero for sure Ooh. yeah hero just uh it's the first one there. I, I'm pretty sure I did Hero 2. That the first thing I saw it was the, you know, that first cutscene with that Ska-inspired little riff up yep. in the sky. And oh my goodness, man. I mentioned growing up a little sheltered. Well, guess what I started listening to in college was... <laughs> 
Christian Skyle, a five iron frenzy. Yeah, so man. when all them horns kick in in uh, uh, Metal Harbor, especially, I was I was in hedgehog heaven. Cover <laughs> <laughs> me up and skanking with his. With his oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> pick it up, pick it up. <laughs> Yeah, I, I definitely did Hero Hero Story first. I think I did Hero Story first, but I, I believe I remember um, instead of playing one all the way through and then going to the next one, I think I actually like bounced back and forth a lot between them because like when I started to see like the characters interweaving, for some reason that made my brain go off and I was just like, oh, I want to like like see how that starts and then like interweaves and it, it was... It was interesting to play that way. I remember doing that because I would get stuck on some levels and I would hop over to the dark story. I remember specifically, because this was incredibly traumatic for me as a child, I got stuck on Crazy Gadget, could not figure out the legitimate way to do that last block puzzle. Yeah, that was a mess. Yeah. And so I switched over to the hero, uh, the uh, the dark story and finished that. And I don't know how I could have known this information. I knew the Dreamcast at the time was uh, like being discontinued. And I don't know if I read it in a games magazine that Sega was basically like, well, this might be it for us as a company. And so I drew the conclusion that Sonic Adventure 2 on the Dreamcast was the last Sonic game ever. Oh, wow. And so when I finished the Dark Story first and... Oh, I know where this is going. <laughs> and they play, uh, you know, egg, they get the Chaos Emeralds, you put them in, uh, Shadow's theme song plays, and it's very, you know, very dark and scary. And then the, uh, what is, I don't even know what you call it. Like the, the ne- like next episode preview or whatever. Yeah, the next episode for the hero story. Um, and it says, Farewell, Sonic. Forever. Yeah, it says, <laughs> literally says Farewell, Sonic Forever. And I, I don't think I cried. I couldn't play the game for like days. Oh, because wow. <laughs> not only Not only did I think the bad guys won and Sonic is dead, but also this is the last Sonic game. And oh, man. And you, you made the decision to go to the dark side. It was too hard <laughs> on the easy side, but you went for the villain side because it was yep. easier. And now look what happened. Sonic is dead. yeah literally exactly how how the that logic worked in my brain at the time and so i was very sad for several days and finally i remember finally uh finding a cheese for the uh uh for that sonic level and and beat that part of the game and was like oh okay everything's fine now imagine if that's actually what happened though it was like telltale sonic the hedgehog the choices mattered (laughs) Yes, that that is that is how that worked in my brain at the time. Tales will remember that. <laughs> <laughs> Although it is it is funny to say that we all started with the uh, the hero portion, but I think like if you go if you jump between the stories and go chronologically uh, with the timestamps, I think Dark Story starts first with yeah. Eggman breaking yeah, into does. the the gun headquarters. Yeah, it's like. The hero story doesn't pick up until around stage four of the dark story. Yeah, which is uh, interesting because that's where you get, uh, you know, immediately they start this lore dump of Dr. Eggman. You are introduced to the concept of gun being like this world police organization that also has these secret bases. 
the Eggman is hacked into their stuff that they've got a secret weapon. Um, he he mentions he mentions his grandfather in that opening line too, doesn't he? Yeah, yeah. I remember seeing that and being like, "Wait a minute, his grandfather wasn't Kintoba? What the heck?" Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a lot of information. Uh, it's a lot of information up front. Although it is, uh, I think we mentioned this before. It is uh, the the first time you realize that he is calling himself Doctor Eggman, but his grandfather is Gerald Robotnik. Yeah. The, the, oh, yeah. the family name yeah that was i think probably the biggest kind of concession on the side of sega japan to reconcile those two names together and it's it's real neat that that is just like his you know his proper family line is the <laughs> the robotnik family because <laughs> otherwise it would be like the the eggman line doesn't work unless it was eggman Dr. Eggman. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're a Polish which I'm pretty descent. sure I've heard it pronounced like before, at least in one or two things, which is great. Probably. You know where you, you know where it's pronounced like that? In one of the Sonic X pilots. Yeah, that was it. That has a he's probably an you know, an English speaking person in Japan and re introducing all the characters, you know, Sonic, and then it gets to it gets to Eggman and he says, Dr. Eggman. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good i'm pretty sure that's up on youtube man blue lightning is fast but yeah so you get all this lore dump uh and then eggman hacks into this base and we are introduced to shadow the hedgehog and people give poor amy rose um trouble for being god probably in desperate need of some glasses with how many people she's mistaken for sonic but uh eggman's the first one to technically do it yeah where <laughs> shadow comes out of this cryo tube and he immediately assumes it's sonic here to ruin his plans i mean it was very dark in there we're gonna be real embarrassed when it turns out that like half the sonic cast is colorblind yeah oh. <laughs> but yeah this is the first uh this is the first scene with shadow and he introduces himself and then you immediately get to fight a boss with him and he's pretty cool man i would even venture to say he's a, a badass i would venture to say that he's the coolest <laughs> i would venture to say that he is not a genie because he says i'll grant you one wish and he yeah doesn't. i was just thinking yeah. About that. <laughs> yeah that is one of those that is one of those lines that is kind of weird um Mr. Robotnik, sir, your wish one, two, or three. <laughs> that would have been something. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. Another plug uh, I can get out of the way is uh, we did mention we know the people working on these games uh, busted their tails and did their best. But Sonic Adventure 2 especially has some wonky translations and uh, Wendy uh, Gitlord on YouTube has an entire playlist where they've gone through and uh, tweaked some of those because uh, Sonic Adventure 2 has some very specific plot points that I remember getting lost in as a kid, particularly uh, near the end where it's revealed that the ultimate life form project was more than just shadow. You know, you get introduced to the bio lizard and Gerald's whole last story plan explicitly in the original version. They mentioned that yes, bio lizard bio lizard is a prototype and that Gerald had control of shadows memories. And that's why he confuses poor Maria's uh, wish for everyone on the earth to be happy, no matter what, with um, revenge. Revenge. <laughs> Kill them all, Shadow. Kill them. <laughs> Definitely. I love uh, Wendy's uh, stuff. Yeah. They're all on YouTube. She's got a cool Twitter. Yeah. And you can also you can also get a mod for the PC version that reinserts those uh, 
translations and subtitles. So we're, we're introduced to Shadow. Uh, he, I think I remember the original teaser for Sonic Adventure 2 that just had the the very close-up silhouette of Shadow. and I think you mean Terios? Yes, that was, that, that was one of them, too. Everybody's seen the, that concept art of just how nuts some of those boy. Uh, <laughs> designs were before we got... Uh, we got where we were going i will say though um like initially when i first saw like previews for sonic adventure 2 having a an evil what i thought was assumed was just an evil sonic character and his name was shadow felt like the most like it, it wasn't exactly the most creative naming ever i wouldn't have taken that over terios every day yeah. of the week <laughs> <laughs> And honestly, I don't think I've seen a Sonic character get latched onto as hard as Shadow was after he was introduced. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's hard to think of another, like, in my adjacent, uh, you know, pop culture circles, I, it's hard for me to think of another. The only one uh, I can think of is, like, Vegeta from, from Dragon Ball Z, specifically. Yeah. Which, it doesn't, I mean, he has, there are some parallels to, or shadow to vegeta but it's not one-to-one like like some people would argue but it is definitely that uh especially what shadow evolves into after this game is yeah he he becomes like an an anti-hero who doesn't exactly like our our heroes but is very tortured and uh you know dark in his own ways yeah. <laughs> there's definitely some up and down character development as Shadow's story continues over the next several games yeah i just feel like a lot of people misinterpret shadow as being like they think he's an angry boy but he's actually a sad boy that is something (laughs) i miss about shadow specifically i understand um they made the decision after this game to bring him back and we can talk minutiae on that story uh in general but what i miss about uh shadow is that yeah he wasn't he he wasn't just like angsty, uh, you know, edgy with his guns and weapons. It's like he was like uh, very emotional and uh, very self confident. Like it, you know, you said it you said it before, but literally one of the lines when you're fighting him as Sonic is, "Oh, I'm the coolest." <laughs> and I, <laughs> yeah, so good. And um, uh, that is actually one thing that I really love about Shadow's original English voice, David Humphrey, who got brought in. I think he was a, a longtime friend of uh, Ryan Drummond, and they did theater work together. And that is what I hear in Shadow's original voice is uh, Koji Yusa is his uh, Japanese actor and almost has um, one of those voices that is kind of indescribable. Like I couldn't tell you the the qualities that make it so interesting but it's something that i i haven't heard in many other voices and so that's hard to translate into english but i like the little almost mid-atlantic accent that david humphrey gives Mm -hmm. shadow for some uh some words uh, because it sounds like big theater kid energy With the, you know, with with the shadows, you know, dark and twisted material, it just works so well for me as a character 
that he's uh, edgy, but yeah, also, like you said, very emotional, very sad, and a little bit over the top. And he's he's more Phantom of the Opera sad. Than yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, that's that's perfect. Yeah, that's a perfect comparison. Um, yeah, that he is less uh, flat and uh, just angry and more bombastic. And uh, that is something I think they have uh, tempered out of his character that they should bring back. I think part of it is like his depictions in later games and the the for the voice actors who played him giving a different take on Shadow. Yeah, I think it, they they kind of like went more for the gravelly, uh, edgy boy, and um, as opposed to what the, what just seemed to happen in Sonic Adventures two and heroes i think it even it carries over into heroes in a different way because he's dealing with his amnesia but it's very there are some big over the tops like uh you know you know i don't know who i am but it doesn't matter right now and i i I like that a lot i'm just i would love to have heard david humphrey do like the the opening monologue of shadow the hedgehog (laughs) all i remember is that gruesome image And after that, uh, you know, you can swap over to the hero story where Sonic, uh, again, poor Amy gets blamed for for mistaking Shadow for Sonic when the entire police force in Sonic Adventure 2 thinks Sonic is also this other hedgehog. I know, seriously. I guess, uh, you know, if you frame it in Adventure, we're introduced that Sonic and friends are the only funny animals living on here. I guess you could give them the benefit of the doubt that, hey, there's a cartoon hedgehog running around causing trouble. It's probably Sonic. Yeah. Maybe they thought the lighting was bad on all the footage. Or, or maybe (laughs) they've been looking for a chance to arrest Sonic and like, "Ah, ah, the closest Mm -hmm. thing to it. Let's, 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 let's let's take that son of a bitch down. Oh, I mean, that's, that was kind of a plot point in the, uh, the Sonic Adventure 2 adaptation, Sonic X, where oh. they arrested Sonic because they needed to keep the whole government conspiracy covered up. Mm. And now we're proud to introduce our new segment on the show called uh, Radical Left Highway, where we talk about <laughs> the corruption in... No, <laughs> just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> no, 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 we have to talk about how the existence of Rouge the Bat has corrupted our youth for far too long. <laughs> <laughs> hey you joke about that but boy that character has boobies yeah <laughs> does she ever i like we've had some um we've had some interesting sonic character designs over the years we had sally acorn and all that nudity uh but <laughs> this is the first furry character we've seen with very noticeable chest um and she... i as a as a as a, as a white englishman <laughs> uh, offended by the very idea of table legs not being covered uh, as to not incite my ardor I'm very disgusted by the Sonic game having boobies <laughs> can't forget that uh, Shadow kind of hogs the spotlight of this being his debut yeah. but this was Rouge's first game too yeah it's like I have to I have to ask what was that meeting like <laughs> <laughs> oh it is ah, to be a fly on that wall uh, I of know these... for real very, very Mickey Mouse, Tezuka-inspired uh, video game mascot characters, and they come up with Rouge the Bat, which, look, I love Rouge. I think she's a great character. I think she's got a great design. But like you said, and she is just a, a, a bat with boobies at the end of the day. <laughs> it's, it's <laughs> you, said, you said these are... These- 
These are Tezuka-designed, like, inspired characters you mentioned. That's... Tezuka was a pretty horny guy himself. That's true. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> that's that's true. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I've seen, I've seen that guy's uh, secret stuff. It is... Uh... <laughs> I, do, I, I do think Rouge is another... Um... Another one where they, her whole presentation brings it all together. It's not just the design, it's her, the way they write her in this game. It's both of her, uh, our, her performances, Japanese and English, I think do a, a very good job of establishing that she is a, and I couldn't tell you if this is, you know, this really works if you want to analyze it bit by bit, but that she is a mature um, woman who uses her, uh, appearance uh to basically her advantage um she does that a lot they flesh that out in sonic x um she's not just sexy for sexy's sake no no she's sexy and smooth stuff <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah with, exactly. a little, with a little bit of kleptomania for flavor oh <laughs> yes yeah. yes i think she's a wonderful character um there's a mm-hmm. lot going on for her it's just you know obviously people look at the character and the first thing they see is um uh the the heart on her, her chest which is quite <laughs> yeah <laughs> she really her assets yes like i definitely think that there are like certain games and media where she is better written than in other you know contexts but i i think there is room for rouge to have like a lot of really interesting characterization just because she is more of this kind of eye on the prize almost more business oriented uh approach than a lot of the other Sonic characters, even if there's still, like, a very flirtatious side to her. Yeah, she's got, like, shades of grey to her as well. Yeah. Like, because she's on the dark side, but she's not a villain. Yeah. Uh, which you could say the same for Shadow, really. Yeah. You can even say the same for Robotnik, kind well, of, Well, I mean, it's, game, it's more explicit in Rouge's case in that, you know, she's an undercover government agent. Yeah. You know, working from behind the scenes to bring them down from the inside, more or less. I think that's my, my favorite part, is that they are very intentionally establish her as... You know, she's kind of, you could even call her like a double, triple agent because she is working for the Earth's president, but as more of like a freelance type, um, Mm -hmm. because she mentioned several times she's only doing it for the paycheck. Aren't we all? (laughs) (laughs) Has infiltrated, uh, yeah, uh, Team Team Dark, which is just Eggman and uh, Shadow, to, yeah, spy on them, but also isn't really doing a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of things to prevent them from she lets them blow up the moon yeah yeah (laughs) yeah um but i i I think they do a good job of kind of establishing that like she's she's looking out for number one um and i do like that about her um because especially in some other media uh comics and whatnot is she will straight up just like disregard other character safety because why should she care yeah (laughs) and uh i like that she is not a even when she is playing on the good guys team she is uh, definitely thinking about um, her next three or four moves and how she's going to swipe something shiny after all this. <laughs> I think it's interesting that like we had all these years of Sonic games and comics and everything, and this, she's the first like femme fatale character I can think of. At least the first good one, anyway. Yeah, yeah. We, we don't count uh, Breezy in Adventures of Sonic. Oh, you're, oh how could I forget? <laughs> the sexual awakening for so many people. No. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, Breezy. Oh. Oh, man that's taking me back shout out to uh mark and flops on i think they're on his tumblr who has a wonderful just little 
comic side story that follows uh, Breezy and Honey as oh yeah uh, the Archie versions yeah. of the characters yeah, yeah yeah I think it is based off those wonderful wonderful little comics oh absolutely pretty sure if you're listening to this you know like the big story beats of Sonic Adventure Two is Eggman is uh, wanting to collect the Chaos Emeralds to reactivate this ultimate weapon uh, Eclipse Cannon satellite that is based off of uh, his grandfather's work to, again, take over the world. Um, does I don't think even in this one, in Sonic Adventure 1, Eggman wanted to build a theme park. Uh, I don't know if Eggman really talks about his end game after he's taken over the world in this one. Well, builds a <laughs> guess, very, very big theme park. Yeah, it, it turns the entire entire planet into Eggman world. You, you've you've played Sonic <laughs> Colors. You've seen you know that end game. Yeah. Yep, yep. That and uh, what is it? That and uh, Sonic Unleashed. We we see is Eggman Land pretty much fully realized, and it's like, yep, that is a theme park, Eggman. <laughs> good for you, dude. There's one thing that I think which is quite good, uh, consistent within the uh, robotnik um, lineage is the fact that they want to make giant space stations with their face on them and uh, i think that's pretty cool yeah <laughs> yeah i i really like that the space colony arc is definitely comes from the same twisted minds that would build the death egg multiple times yeah <laughs> it's gotta it, it's gotta have a mustache that's so people know you mean this yeah <laughs> it's it's like an artist's signature how are you going to know that this came from the brilliant lineage of uh, the robotniks if you don't put a big nose and a mustache on it <laughs> i mean you gotta th- you gotta think that okay gerald was working on this weapon already for gun like they wanted to use it for you know whatever horrible war crimes but they also definitely approved of him making it look like his own face <laughs> yeah no, absolutely they saw they saw the you know the the hundred trillion dollar budget proposal to put things in space and you know rubber stamped it yep make it look like the old man as long I know as it works <laughs> i know it's hidden i know it's technically hidden but like there's no way they could not know that something of that scale was being worked on no. a big old nose and mustache i i always assumed that it was part of um because i i don't think we learned in this game but you know part of his most of his research was going towards trying to cure maria of her ailments mm. and was also working on these horrible weapons for the military and so yeah i assumed that the eclipse cannon was already it in the plans and yeah it just happened to be on this mustached uh satellite at the time <laughs> They definitely, you know, retconned some of the motivations there with the Shadow of the Hedgehog when that came out. The Eclipse Cannon was actually made for, you know, the good of mankind to blow up aliens, not for oh, right, taking right. over the world. But sure. you know. <laughs> yeah, I think even we didn't even re- uh, know that Maria was already sick until uh, was it Sonic Battle, which is canonically dubious <laughs> that specifically mentions she uh, she was a, a sickly child. I think that. Now, I want to say that it might have been mentioned in, like, the Japanese manual of SA2, maybe? Because I feel like there oh, was wow. some information from that era saying that Project Shadow was designed to cure Maria's neuroimmunodeficiency syndrome. Oh, I forgot there was an actual name yeah, for what NIDS. she had. 
Although, you know, it all comes to a head in the last story where we basically find out that, surprise, Gerald has rigged the space station to crash into Earth as revenge because we see a child get murdered in Shadow's backstory. And that broke his poor brain, um, which is kind of understandable. I mean, it is very interesting. Like, I'll, I'll go back to I love how it's presented in the game is very unironic. Um, it's very over the top, very dramatic. Um, but yeah, like we see explicit character death in Shadow's, uh, backstory. Uh, he thinks, uh, he needs to get revenge for Maria, which we find out is, is from Gerald altering his memories of her. And yeah, it's, it's, man, it's really sad. Uh, <laughs> he had to watch the only friend, the only friend he's ever had in the world, uh, die in front of him who sent him to earth so he could be locked up until Eggman releases. Him. Yeah. I mean, the presentation is much more explicit in, you know, later interpretations of the scene, like in shadow, the hedgehog and Sonic X, but it's still got some emotional punch to it. Even here where you only really kind of see the aftermath where she's struggling to stay up while standing over the console to, Send Shadow to Earth. I mean, for all we know, for all we know, she could just be like, you know, she could just have cramp. (laughs) (laughs) And some bad heartburn. (laughs) She ate too fast and started running. Shadow, one of my heels snapped. It's really hard to stand up. Revenge. No, if if I can be if I can be the nitpicky audio guy who uh, may or may not have every sound effect from that game in my personal library. <laughs> uh, if you listen real close, you can hear that gunshot uh, right before it switches in the scene to uh, Shadow in the capsule. Yeah. Are we sure it wasn't just a party popper? Someone set off, and she was really startled <laughs> by it. Oh. I've been struck by a case of the vapor shadow, please. <laughs> somebody, somebody was celebrating something and they popped open some champagne. Oh, it was just a, it was a surprise party and she was really surprised. And that, the cork from the bottle hit her right in a pressure point. <laughs> she had just enough time to ask Shadow to save the world. Oh, my gosh. I will never forgive humanity for this. I'm going right down to Champagne, France, and I'll show them a thing or two. <laughs> Alternate history where uh, Shadow takes over the world and reestablishes um, prohibitionism. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's actually an anti-booze message. Oh, all this time. We were talking about Shadow being, uh, you know, uh, his music and all his themes, but we didn't realize that he's actually super straight edge as well. I'm Shadow the Hedgehog, the ultimate teetotaler. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. That's what the real translation notes are about. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I'm sure Wendy will put that to the next revision. <laughs> yep, yep. <laughs> yeah, that's why he goes to uh, punk concert and just tries to get into fights because he's got nothing better to do. <laughs> <laughs> he just uses chaos control. Everybody freezes, and then like a split second later, everybody's just on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> I just imagine it. You know, like when when a, when he takes off those chaos limiters from his wrists, they come off, and his gloves come off, and he's got drug free like tattooed onto his knuckles. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to be. <laughs> oh, we're we're doing the the memories of Gerald Maria Robotnik. So uh, we're giving them so much levity. <laughs> Again, this goes back to the whole thing of it's got surprising emotional weight for a Sonic game that they delve into. What is a comparatively dark story relative to everything that has come before? Like even 
I, I, I would argue even like the stuff with Takal's tribe and chaos in Sonic Adventure One doesn't quite get this grim, really. No. Yeah. And that, there's like that is technically genocide. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but we don't really see much. Say it quite as explicitly. Um, it just kind of looks like they shove everybody over. Yep, stomp on some chow. No, you push them. And you're like, well, I did that already <laughs> in in the chow garden. <laughs> why is it Why is it so bad now? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of which. You mean you're not supposed to throw those guys? Um, oh, that is definitely, we need to we need to talk about chow gardens before we start wrapping up. Don't yeah, we? like we yep. completely glossed over them in the first episode. And I don't know how we did because... Chow Gardens are arguably one of the things that people remember most about Adventure 1 and 2. We glossed over that and the shooting sections in Adventure 2, but that's because they're not very good. Yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> we just spent a lot of time Sorry. talking about a shooting section, but um, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, I'm surprised nobody has ever edited that scene to have the little laser sight going beep over Maria's. <laughs> no! <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we are terrible people. Don't, um, don't cut uh, that. I'll own it. And the sound effect, <laughs> the sound effect at the end is the capsule opening when no. you hit it. Boy. Maria. Oh yeah, the the Chow Gardens. Man, what a what a legacy of a thing that they did twice. I guess two and a half times if you want to count the advanced portable ones. Yeah. And then have not done again for some reason. Like that is that is a. I'm I really like the Chow Garden. I'm not crazy about it but that does seem just like the most no-brainer thing they could put in a new sonic game or even not like as a standalone thing like i am so surprised during like the the app store boom that yeah. they did not come out yeah. with a standalone uh chow garden on like your phone yeah even if it's just like a version of like the tiny chow garden from advance and pinball party even something like that for a dollar would do gangbusters this is some money on the table stuff right here that, just, that I would think that Sega would not be above exploiting, but here we are. Uh, if I remember correctly, I'm not familiar with the Knight series or the Saturn in general, but wasn't like the, the precursor for the Chow um, yeah, was the, some sort of like little mini game in, in Knights? Yeah, the A-Life system or whatever. The Knightopians or something yeah. like that? They were, they were actually doing stuff in the background and I had no idea about that until I heard about it recently. Yeah, yeah. And I think they they carry over that system to name in like Sonic Adventure and uh I, I think the like the, the the head programmer of that still still works on the Sonic series if I remember correctly. I believe that's correct, yeah. That's what I'm talking about is they had a whole like separate director just for this part of the game, which is where you raise these little you know, these adorable little blobby water creatures called Chow. <laughs> Not Chows or cows or KOs. chaoses <laughs> yeah i've heard ko as well yeah I, thought, I always thought they pronounced ko originally i think that the whole game and then um to call says it halfway through a story and you're like whoops <laughs> yeah we didn't get ko until the cartoon crossover a long time later but anyway ah, KO! i get it but yeah like they would if you look back at the chow garden they like even beyond just the super compelling virtual pet stuff they were doing a lot of interesting stuff technologically as well because like you could send your chow to the vmu carry it with you and have it go on adventures while you're walking around or you know later when they brought it to gamecube you could send them to gba over the link cable either on a standalone download thing or 
in Sonic Advance and Pinball Party, as we mentioned. I used to tie some dental floss through the little keychain ring on my VMU and carry that thing with me everywhere. <laughs> nice. Of course, the batteries only lasted for about like 45 minutes, but yeah, <laughs> it was it was a fun time. But yeah, that that did make it so much. Uh, God, like almost, you know, people talk about the metaverse and all lately. But yeah, being able to put this 3D character that you're interacting with in the game in this other device and carry it with you in this other form, like just felt so neat. Like I always thought it was uh, super cool where if, uh, with a uh, fancy star online, you could transfer the special tales chow from that back to your adventure games. It's just like, oh, wow, this is like completely blowing my mind that there's this secret, ch- basically secret chow that, you can only get through this very specific means. It's like, it's cool that there was like this extension of the Chow system that you could have this interaction with a completely different game and still uh, have that carry back to the adventure game you were already playing. And I kind of wish that they had done more with that, like more little bonus items or types of Chow or whatever that you could get through that, uh, like interacting with other games or even you know, something we also kind of glossed over the first time, the DLC content. Ooh. It's it's the, the Chow stuff and the, the DLC is what I wanted stop and swap in Banjo. Oh, don't get me started. Oh, no, what have you done? What have you unleashed? <laughs> uh, yeah, this, these were some of the few the first games I remember owning that had that downloadable content, which I don't know about anybody else, but I could never connect my Dreamcast or uh, to the uh, to the internet. Yeah, I <laughs> plugged in my uh, like the dial-up cord to my Dreamcast, and I remember being able to like pull up the um, specifically for Sonic Adventure. I remember being able to pull up like the page showing like the stuff that you could download like Christmas time at at Station Square. Yeah. I yeah. was like, that looks so cool, and I could never download it because like it was either I I think to be fair, since I had played. SA2 first and then eventually played SA. I think maybe it was just like a like an old link that like went there but like the maybe the download wasn't available anymore. But man, That's that would have probably that been true. so cool. They can get them now though. <laughs> I know for Adventure 2, most of the uh DLC for that was like the menu themes where you could have the different characters saying all the stuff on the menus and you can get all of that in battle without having to get anything. I think the only stuff that got lost in uh you know the transition was a handful of alternate uh cart tracks and uh like a couple of uh costume packs so like halloween costumes and christmas costumes for everybody those have thankfully uh sonic adventure one and two i i think all of the DLCs, no matter how obscure or region specific, has Valbrin preserved in ported over into that PC version. Yeah, Adventure One for sure. I'm pretty sure Adventure Two as well. And it's it's very neat to see that stuff, um, and also like stuff that I definitely didn't know existed. Like there's some very obscure Sonic Adventure uh, DLC tied in for like. Reebok streetwear and uh, some Japanese um, television shows and stuff like that. And uh, it's, uh, it's very, very cool to see yeah. the stuff that stuff that even like the Christmas stuff and um, some of the other stuff that if I could have figured out how to get my Dreamcast on dial up Internet could have experienced, but never did. At the yeah, time. I appreciate the mod 
gives you access even to the DLC that never left Japan. So like the Japanese New Year stuff, the specific tie-ins with Japanese brands. And so we're able to experience translated versions of this stuff that we never got back in the day. So it's it's really cool getting to know, know that that stuff is preserved and that people will still be able to have access to them going forward. Also, isn't it wild that one of the characters you can have like read the menu stuff is the president's secretary in Sonic yeah. Adventure 2? The code to unlock it in uh, Adventure 2 Battle is so weird. It's like, it's either just keep rotating the stick or just keep swinging the control stick back and forth. And I, it's weird and I don't get it. I think when it comes to like the impact of Sonic Adventure 2 is it's it's not the world's greatest Sonic game. Some people will say it is. Um, but it has, it's like one of the most like iconic and influential and something that people will never be able to let go. Uh, to the point that they will always demand that the next game be just like this, or it is a failure. I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For 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 better or worse, I, I there are a lot of uh, things from Sonic Adventure Two I'd like to see revisited. Hmm. Yeah, I think Adventure Two was a game changer for the series in a lot of ways. Shadow's existence alone being kind of a huge one. Like I I shared earlier. I think for a lot of people, if you knew what was happening in the game industry and that Sega was, uh, you know, uh, their future was in jeopardy, this was a big, not only an anniversary title for Sonic, uh, but this was a big, like, this could have been the last Sonic game for a long time. It really felt in a lot of ways like the end of an era. Especially with the, um, uh, just to wrap up the story, like, Shadow realizes that his memories had been tampered with and that his true Maria's true wish was for him to uh, make a positive impact on humanity to help uh, make a better world and not uh, shatter it into a million pieces <laughs> with the, uh, the space colony pirated by a horrible lizard. Hmm. I, I, I remember I'm sort of paraphrasing uh, a, rare, a very good video on shadow, the hedgehog and super shadow that made by the game apologist but you will notice that while shadow is all dark it has the dark and edgy design throughout the whole game when he realizes what he really is and turns into his super form he's he's really bright and not just like in sonic as like like elements of white in him they like try really try to push across the point that he's now he's a good guy now yeah i feel like yeah it's an interesting uh the 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 graphical choice they made is that sonic is supersonic is gold which you know we'd seen before but shadow is he's not exactly white he's i would say he's platinum color yeah yeah Yeah. Um, like that and it's very uh it, it is it is like that transformation into his true ultimate self is that he is uh and you know, tale as old as time, like the the dark and the light, is he has realized his uh, the most powerful force is that positive uh, his positive memories of Maria, who was filled with this compassion and love for humanity, even in her you know her horrible death at the hands of of people, um, is she didn't let go, and the last thing she imparts into Shadow is that please don't lose that self actualization through chaos emeralds. Yes. Yeah. And gosh, man, we could we could go for another hour on all that is. Yeah, we literally have this parallel from from the first game of where the Chaos Emeralds are filled with this, uh, you know, powerful, awesome, uh, sometimes scary energy. But at the end of the day, they can turn um, your wishes and your thoughts into uh, 
physical objects, basically. <laughs> and that uh, and that is why Shadow is able to harness them and join Sonic to uh, defeat the final hazard, spelled all as one word with no spaces. <laughs> Do you ever think about the fact that the final boss is a giant lizard? Yeah, with the, the, space, co- the space colony up his butt. Too. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> it was really cool at the time. Yeah. Oh, it is. It's very cool. It's <laughs> like you know that is that's a bit of a simplication. It's more of like some techno body horror where he's merged, yeah. you know, organic with the technology. He is like the representation of all of the dark desires of um, Gerald Robotnik in his yeah. uh, act of revenge against the world. I mean, it is, but at the same time, it will be forever immortalized because something we completely glossed over. That final fight has arguably the best theme song of any Sonic game to date blaring over it and leaving it probably might arguably be the second biggest thing to come out of Sonic Adventure 2 after Shadow himself is Live and Learn which is if you have to say one Crush 40 song it's Live and Learn yes yes there there are you could you could slice down uh you know people's preferences for open your heart live and learn which are two very good songs that uh you know introduced us to uh you know june senaway's shredding guitars and johnny gioli's just man just powerful rock god voices, dude (laughs) (laughs) um but at the end of the day i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna say live and learn like uh there's a reason they they ended that wonderful sonic symphony concert with a performance like that (laughs) i i remember the one time that you know you and i jeremy got to see crush 40 play live that we had to get to a panel at a convention and we were already running late and we stayed an extra few minutes because their encore was live and learn. We were like, okay, we can't, we can't leave. We have to stay. It's, we're legally and not sprinted, allowed. Sprinted, sprinted, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a a rapturous experience. Yeah, there's like yeah. I'm not usually one to get like this, but hearing that orchestral rendition during the 30th anniversary concert actually made me a little bit emotional, as it should. Honestly, yeah, I did too. And not to you know. Gosh, uh, again, not to derail too much, but I, I can say that at, at that same convention, like we literally got to talk to to June and Johnny for just a couple of oh, minutes man. and they seemed like swell yeah. guys. I remember we we knew that they were leaving, I think, a signing panel and we literally just walked down there thinking we'd wave at him and go say, hey, we're big fans. Can't wait for the concert. As I say, it was June. He, he was walking past. Then he doubled back because he saw your Sonic shirt and blue hair. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, of course you have a sonic shirt and blue hair yeah. and um, you know he got a picture with you and then i showed that i had like their original album and he's like I, hang on and he brought us up to see you know johnny and the rest of the crew in the van and we got a picture with them oh man because i am not to just to say i'm not that guy that bothers guests at conventions because oh, yeah. i know they're busy but it was you know like I said, it was a very cool thing. I still have the picture right next to me up on my wall of, of yeah, they seem like like cool dudes as far as as far as I know. And I'm always glad to hear them collaborate in uh, Sonic, uh, new Sonic music and what. Yeah, man, that that song is such a had had such a lasting positive impact on the franchise and the fandom. And God, another stupid little story is when I first <laughs> got to that, uh, the last story as a kid, I remember I had, I think it was Strep Throat, 
um, which is terrible, you know, could barely talk. And um, there's a part in the song where it says... Thinking, yeah, yeah, that's me. That, that's that's right. me. They know me. That's me for real. That's yeah, me for real. <laughs> oh goodness! I mean, what is this podcast for if not for talking about goofy Sonic stuff we did as kids? Yeah. Huh? Amen to that. Oh, that song. That song needed to be there, and uh, it, it, it was. It just speaks to how important it was that it was the one song that they put in Sonic X's adaptation of Sonic Adventure Two for this big this big game uh after you've had this you know like we said this wonderful final boss song this uh very um you know very bombastic cool super transformations and then you end this with this uh you know shadow is is chosen to do what he uh you know believes is right and also chooses to like sacrifice himself and for all we knew like shadow was gone forever yeah like he he fulfilled his wish to Maria and that was it. Uh, and they even do the you know, they even do like an in memoriam after the credits. And <laughs> goodness, yeah. That was, was d- definitely something I don't think I expected. Uh, uh, the first time I saw it was, man, I think Shadow just died, y'all. God, imagine if they actually did do a full on memorial of all the characters that died and they played Ave Maria. <laughs> Ah. <laughs> I mean, you're right. Like, it's one thing when a character, when like an NPC that is only like really relevant to that specific story dies, like, you know, to call and chaos disappearing at the end of Sonic Adventure or whatever. But this was, you know, a name, like a primary focus character that you spend a good chunk of the game playing as. So, like, basically having the idea that this character could potentially be gone in the same way that we killed off Gamma the previous game. That's, you know, it, it came as kind of a surprise at the moment. And, you know, I think there was a part of us that knew that there was no way they would get rid of him forever because he ended up being just too popular, but still doesn't like playing through that the first time. I don't think it really takes away from the impact of that moment. There, There's definitely discussion to be had on bringing shadow back and, you know, did it work? Did it not? Et cetera, et cetera. But yeah, no matter what they did, I don't think it takes away too much from uh, his, his story in Sonic Adventure. Maybe some of the weird alien stuff in Shadows. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I do think Adventure 2 had a big influence on a lot of big Sonic stories going forward. Uh, for better and worse, um, I don't think you would have gotten uh, a semblance of Sonic 06's story without Adventure 2 laying the groundwork, um, which is a good example of how bad it can yes. get. But I do think um, a lot of the stories that people uh, really enjoyed, like Sonic Unleashed, also have a great balance of this uh, you know, dramatic uh, wonder with um, Sonic characters, but also presented in a very... like. Uh, you know, like it's not uh, poking fun at itself too yeah. much. There are stakes, which I like. I like when there are stakes in Sonic games and they matter. Yeah, rare, well done. Yeah, exactly. That's a that's a good way to look at it. You know, you can have a you know a much more lighthearted tone. Um, but you wanna you wanna believe that the characters are you know living and breathing in this world. Yeah. Yeah, you want these these Sonic stories to actually mean something and feel like they matter. Uh, you don't want you don't like it when Sonic forces these plot points oh. in there that just don't make any sense. <laughs> and uh, there it is. Anyway. Oh, sir! <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> 
No, I I did want to I did want to clarify and say yeah we're not dancing around that uh you know that we're secretly part of like the cabal of fans that hate anything after these games. I know I'm not, but I can definitely say yeah like you said there are right right ways to do dramatic uh Sonic and there are wrong ways. I think that's probably a pretty good spot to wrap it up for this episode. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> yeah, we, we, we talked about, you know, like I said, we, we kind of glanced over how the games played in our, our first episode, but we remedied that here. Again, you know, we're still figuring this out ourselves, so. Yeah. Yeah. As, as, long, as long as it was a fun discussion about old Sonic things. Oh God, Sonic Adventure is old now. Oh, oh. no. Yeah, we we just passed the twentieth anniversary of Sonic Adventure two last year. Oh wow! Mm. Oh, oh, oh I don't boy. Like no, nobody does. <laughs> I do not care. <laughs> <for that at laughs> all. What's on the hit parade for next time, y'all? I think we were throwing around some ideas. Maybe we should. Maybe we should just keep it vague, and we'll we'll surprise. Yeah, because we were talking about. Might even do a little uh, uh a little roundtable about the. Uh, 8-bit versions of the first two Sonic games compared to the 16-bit versions. That's the entirely specific thing that I would like to talk about. <laughs> yes. I that That's another one of those things like um, uh, Sonic the Comic that I've only experienced uh recently and found incredibly charming um yeah uh we you know we already brought up the sonic symphony but when they played the orchestral version of the bridge zone theme yes. i think i might have cried <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, those game, the master system and game gear games are pretty popular over here so i i've got better plenty to talk about those all right, well, before we sign off, I just wanted to give a special thanks, as always, to Amy Waters for the use of our theme song from the album Gotta Go Slow. You can check out more of her work on YouTube and Bandcamp. But this has been uh, The Hill Is Always Greener. Uh, I am Falero. I'm Game Buddy. I'm Cyberlink. And I'm Rock the Jake. And hey, sayonara forever, Shadow the Hedgehog. Nice. <laughs> That's really sad. You did my favorite version. <laughs> 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 <laughs>